We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. That's bwhustle.com backslash join. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the second half schedule is out. Uh, Mike, let's get right uh, into it. Pete, let, let it out Pete, you know I love me a schedule when, I, when, <laughs> when the schedule comes out. This is I, like your work schedule, right? I get so Somewhere. excited. Well, I, the only difference this year is that you know half of the excitement is kind of like, oh, okay, here's one, here's one I'm going to be in Minnesota. Here's when I'm going to be in uh, D.C. This year, my mom. Letting I'm all your friends know. In Maryland a couple years ago, right? Here's going to be. Yeah, exactly. All that, all that. So this year, it's, you know, it's a little different. It's like, oh, here's when I'm going to be in the Spectrum Studio versus here's when I'm going to be at Sable Center. Uh, but the thing that, that popped out to me first when I got to look at this, and I know, you know, if you guys are listening to this, uh, you know, we just wrapped up on, on this a bit ago. So you're probably just getting your first glance at it. And I was, I don't know why I realized this, but the Lakers barely played the Eastern Conference in the first 37 games, 
Um, which, by the way, Darius pointed out to me, I thought it was a neat 36. And then the second half was a neat 36. Nope. For whatever reason, they played 37 um, in the first half. And then now that leaves, uh, of course, 35 for the second. And they so against the Eastern Conference teams, um, they only played 12 times out of those 37, which means and we had that seven game road trip that was constituted most of it, I think. Exactly. Exactly. That constituted most of it. And Pete, as you mentioned that. Very few of these of those games uh, were at home. So the Lakers have 18. Um, yeah, uh, wait, let's see. So it's 18 of the of the games left against the Eastern Conference, 10 of which are at home. So that's just the first thing. And my whole theme, uh, Darius, to start with you on this going into the season was this is going to be an easier year, quote unquote, easier year for the Western Conference because they're playing each other less. So remember those that usually you play 82 games um, this year at 72, but those extra 10 games all got trimmed with, with uh, within conference. So you're still playing the Eastern, the opposite conference twice each one home game, obviously one row game. So let me just start and, and get both of you guys to react to that. What does it mean? Um, is it as simple as we think where it's like, well, that's easier for the Lakers. For me, the thing about the schedule that has been, Interesting to me is like the road home splits for the Lakers between how much better and more focused they've been on the road versus how they've played at home. And I'll be very interested to see if that dynamic stays that way during the rest of the season or if they sort of pick up that level of focus at home that I think has been lacking a little bit um, that they've actually had on the road. The funny thing about some of these road games that they've played is that there's been fans at some of them, right? And I think it makes a big difference, man. Yeah, like, I mean, there were fans, I think, in at one of the Houston games, maybe. There were fans at Atlanta, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. When Broad had had (laughs) a little uh, interaction (laughs) with a fan courtside. So, Mike, like, the interesting thing to me isn't necessarily like, oh, the... East versus West splits at this stage. I do think that a more competitive West, and I think that our our inclination about that was right from the beginning, but the teams at the top of the East are strong this year, I think. I think Philly and Brooklyn are probably in the top five teams in the league. You could have probably only said that about Milwaukee last year and and like in terms of being in that elite class and so brooklyn probably takes that spot from milwaukee last season and i think philly is right there if not in that circle then right on the edge of that as being a real contender so i think the east is beating up on itself the way that they normally would the west is tight as it's been in the middle of the conference but um this year, I think the top of the West is probably a little bit stronger with Utah joining those ranks. And, and we haven't seen Utah yet. We'll see them shortly. Getting two of the three Jazz games, I think, in the second half of the season probably bodes well for the Lakers. And even though they face them this week when they're shorthanded, those matchups specifically, and maybe we'll get to that later in the pod. Pete, is there anything about the schedule that stands out to you? I I suppose I think the context of this schedule, meaning this first half, I've been struck by how compressed the standings are. They're just so bunched up in a way that I think reflects the low quality of play that reflects the quick turnaround. There's just a certain gentleman's agreement almost throughout the NBA that those real hardcore rotations and the, you know, 
are we really going to be rotating over to take a lot of charges? Lakers are leading the league in that stat, but just there's a certain amount of open run. Like there's been a lot of basketball that's looked like open runs or more indicative of that than ever before. And I think the standings kind of reflect that. I'm interested. And then I, I do think, and we've talked about this a couple of times, I don't want to reduce what Utah's doing to just this, right? I do. But do you? You, you go <laughs> right out? No, I, I was, I was kind of joking. No, I, no who is Utah? You you watch more of the the rest of the league than I do. I've seen I've caught them a couple of times, but going into this second half, you got Utah of all teams at the top of the Western Conference and now we're going in like how real is that? How do we how do we gauge them? Yeah, and and I so this is just this is my opinion, right? And it's not meant to be disrespectful or it too meant to not kind of give them the credit that they deserve, but I think Pete they have been operating under the best of circumstances. Uh, not only from a health standpoint, where really the only guy that they've missed is Mike Conley for a couple of weeks and he's now back, but they have the by far the best cohesion of roster of coaching staff. They also have fans in their home building um, and they didn't have the same expectations going into the season, even as Dallas or Denver, like the second tier teams in the West, or even as Phoenix are getting Chris Paul, certainly not as the Lakers or Clippers. So they haven't been getting everybody's best shot. Um, I think they're going to start to now more, right? Because they're, they're in that number one spot. But so in, with all of that said, yes, there are a couple games clear of the Lakers than Clippers. The Lakers have been on cruise control um, for a couple of weeks. The Clippers have had, you know, missed Paul George and Kawhi. So I just, I think they're a good team. Um, they have elevated right there with Denver um, and maybe even a, a notch ahead. We'll see what things look like, but I still don't think that if you're the Lakers or the Clippers, you're worried that they're in the one seat. You know, that it's not to me. So that if you were the one seed and you were the Lakers and the Jazz were going to be the four seed, you'd be like, okay, um, same thing. I think if they're the one seed and you end up uh, trying to get into that four. So that's all. I, I just think that they're and, and like to tie this back into the whole, the whole thought of the schedule um, and, and Darius to kind of kick it to you on this, that is some of that stuff is going to come around to a head. And, and here's where, here's why I want to start it with March is going to be the easiest month in terms of opponent yes. win percentage yes. for the Lakers. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I, I think that it probably is a good thing um, because a, the Lakers will have had some rest. Finally, we know how much they need it. Um, and then they can, I think I don't want to say ease into things, but the Lakers need at a certain point to ramp up. They need at a certain point, And I'd rather have the ramp up be in May, which is, you know, f which starts out Toronto, Denver, Clippers, Blazers, Phoenix, before you get a little respite um, with the Knicks and the Rockets. And um, so I, I guess the May schedule, um, six of the 11 teams are below 500. And two of those other teams are right there. Like the, the Warriors are two games above 500. And uh, let's see, what's the other team? Indy is one game over 500. So you really know and Toronto's right there at 500 or one game over at this point in the season right now, like as we talk, I think. Oh, for sure. So, so Toronto, not, so I messed that up. So, so I was talking about March. So Toronto, you're right. So you're right. So Toronto is in May, but I'm saying of the March teams that they oh, still have to play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So eight of those 11, right. Are either right around 500 or below. So if you guys, I'd, I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on that. Does it matter? Um, that they get a little bit of an easier ride in terms of opponent strength in March. I hope so. You know, the thing is, is, and I sort of wrote about this um, at Forum Blue and Gold on Tuesday, the Lakers, and I wrote about this some in relation to the Wizards game, the Lakers hadn't been playing as hard or as focused 
even like before AD and Schroeder went out. And the way they were playing in games was compounded by the fact that they were already a little bit banged up, AD was especially, and that you could tell they were just physically and mentally tired. They've been needing a break for a while. When AD and Schroeder went out, you could tell now that the energy and the sort of attentiveness is back up at a certain level where the competitiveness sense of urgency. Yes, the the competitiveness there is there now, but the talent level is less. And so they're still losing games and they still look tired mentally and physically. And and so what I'm hoping Pete and chime in here is that with the break and then a bit of a softer schedule that some of these habits that they're developing right now in terms of competitiveness can carry over and and be lasting for them when the talent starts to catch back up. So that is exactly why I think that this stage of the season is one of the most important parts of the season and definitely the most interesting part of the season to me so far of us struggling in this recent, recent stretch because all of a sudden overnight we had a basketball problem, right? I've been talking a lot about that shot creation and how the whole thing that we do is built around these two individual shot creators. Rondo filled that role of the third guy that's necessary to have. And Schroeder is a a better player and a better version of that player. So they got to not have much of a sense of urgency for most of the first part of this season and cruise to victories or, you know, turn it on for 10, 12 minutes and just do enough, just enough for the W. And overnight, all of a sudden, they play pretty hard against the Wizards team. They're not good enough to win that night. That wasn't a loss because they didn't try. That was because they didn't have this fatal loss of shot creation, right? All at once. And the tired legs, the Wizards team that's playing very well right now, we didn't have enough. And it was interesting to see the, that was why when we were talking on the pod the other day, D, and I was like, hey, you should listen to the post-game interviews. That's what it came, that idea of like, yo, we got to do more. We got to turn it up. And that's something, Mike, that I want to see as we reincorporate AD, whenever AD comes back, hopefully in, in, in March, right? AD and obviously Schroeder's coming back soon. But just that combined with that, I think, greater degree of sense of urgency combined with a softer schedule. I've been thinking that this team, and we've talked about the idea of this team going on a run. When looking at the second half schedule, as we come out of the gates there, that's where I look at that. Do you see that stretch as being as having that kind of potential? Yeah, for sure. And and it, let me so let me push back slightly just on the Wizards game. And this will this will be something I think we can incorporate into once we get into April in the schedule. So halfway through the third quarter, they're up by 15. LeBron hits a three. And at that point, I think LeBron, you know, he he expected the game was going to continue a certain way. And okay, that's right. And so I don't think that the whole team, I don't think it was, oh, they couldn't match Washington coming back. I think that once the throttle got pulled back a little bit, which, by the way, happens in almost every NBA game. It's why we see so many of these 15-point leads that aren't that safe. So it's not like it's just a LeBron thing or, you know, a couple of the guys on the roster. So I thought that's what happened there, and they got caught. And then when they tried to re-engage, then the fatigue based of the last couple of weeks showed up, plus the lack of AD and Shooter, you know, plus uh, all of that. So th- that's that's all. Like, and maybe maybe we're saying the same thing. No, no, no. Actually, this is an interesting little side branch. Is 
you know, we were what, like 57 and 0 after having a third quarter lead last year. We've already lost a few of these. Yeah. And the whole idea of taking the foot off of the throttle, that wasn't something that didn't exist last year. It didn't right? exist so as what, much like, though, right? I, like, you I, don't I, think I, the difference is the just the extent of that? Yeah, I thought they I thought that they stayed pretty locked in almost all last year in that aspect because they couldn't because they didn't and Darius has been speaking to this much more than I have even this year like that was that was one of the things that I think we loved about that team and they also and guess what the difference is they won last year at the end of it and this year now that they know that they won there's going to be a natural and that was our whole intro pod to all of this right like there's going to be we are going to see them just like we saw the Lakers um, of Kobe and Powell and Bynum although it wasn't Kobe Mm -hmm. take their foot off the gas in the 2009-2010 regular season. And, it, you know, it's a difference of like maybe seven games, right? So it's not that big of a, a – but it is. It, it, you are going to lose more games because of that, taking the foot off just a little bit. Well, just to bring that all together, I think the further we get into this season, the more I look at last season and just sort of say like, man, that team was special in terms of their approach. like. That's why I wanted to appreciate that team. That team was, oh, I love the 2020. This team's going to, like, just in terms of their approach, right, Pete? And and that idea of all of them sort of rowing in the same direction all of the time on things big and small, right? And so when you talk about rowing in the same direction, it's often like the things that you really are thinking about are like the big things, right? Like, oh, our commitment to defense or what our schemes are offensively and what the pecking order is like on the roster, right? But I feel like this team rode in the same direction on pretty much like what kind of wine we're going to have at dinner. Everything from big to small. And I think that that sort of chemistry showed up on the court in a way where they consistently played for each other all of the time. And that when the starters didn't have it like they did in that game against the Bulls in Chicago, right? Or that OKC game where all those guys sat out, like the bench guys were there to like, pick them up in in a way where it was like we're really playing for each other and and I'm not saying this team doesn't have that but last te- last year's team just had so much of that in in abundance that when things got dicey in the fourth quarter potentially there was always a Alex Caruso play or a Danny Green or a KCP or an Avery Bradley or a Dwight Howard and someone was there to like do it up for them, right? And even, oh, and even more so though, Darius, like I just think you didn't have AD or LeBron miss an extended chunk. That's right. And that right there alone, Pete, is enough to paper over some of those nights. And the context is so different too. The sense of urgency that underlie, like that it's, in fact, it's total opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of sense of urgency. Remember before last season, it was LeBron starting, we're doing a players only camp in Vegas. Everybody's showing up, but we're getting there early and we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing this together as much as possible. We're building towards something. We're trying to win a title, right? And then every step along the way, that had not been proven at any point. And going into this season with the short turnaround, it's the exact opposite in terms of urgency. It's it's that we just went through this both physically and mentally challenging experience in the bubble, right? As players, then 
month and a half later, two or two months later, we've we've turned it around and we're starting this. And when is the what is the first game that the Lakers play this year that's going to matter in a to, in a big picture sense? You just like remember we had that pod in the playoffs last year, D, and it, it was titled. It, we were talking about appropriate fear, like the Lakers and that's why this part of the season and going into the second half of the schedule is so interesting to me is because all of a sudden just overnight there's like oh oh shit we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like we actually have some sense of urgency injected into us in a way that it's just impossible to fake fear, right? Like you are either afraid or you are not. This is also why it's very difficult to repeat because that is a good thing to have in a team is that, that we call that hunger. We call that all, all of those things, Mike. So it's just, it's a tough thing to fake. And Pete, I'm going to hijack your tradition of sending it to break by saying, I have something related to this um, and a point that you made earlier to talk about after the break, uh, and we'll we'll set it up by a long road trip in April um, that is going to require some of that energy and that unique energy that they had last season. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so folks, April starts off with a ridiculous seven-game road trip, although it's a little bit different because it's at Sacramento, then the Lakers come home and play the Clippers. So it turns what looks like a seven-game road trip into what's essentially a five-game road trip. 
East, and it's Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn, New York, and Charlotte. Now, the way that it's spaced out, the games against the Knicks and Hornets become a little bit more difficult because you're going to need more to get through Toronto, Miami, and Brooklyn. So, Pete, you would ask the question earlier, and we, we talked about the whole thing with March, and maybe the Lakers can come out of the gates better, having been refreshed. Um, in theory, getting AD back, you know, maybe after the first three or four games, you know, we'll kind of see um, and then integrating him back into that and then potentially, you know, carry that through. And I think that road trip there, that's a real good stretch for them to really rally around the flag. AD's back in rhythm. They're in these road buildings, right? The Lakers kicked ass on the road last year. They kicked ass on the road in the first half this year. Uh, that that to me, I think if you can, uh, Darius, if you can come through that trip um, and restore your not order, because I, I don't I don't care so much about the seating, but just the the back to the point that everybody said in the first half. Oh, yeah, the Lakers are still clearly the, be- the best team. I think that's a good spot for that flex. And then it's going to get uh, well, you know what? I'll save the net. What's going to happen after that? Darius, your thoughts on that, on that trip, on what the, the opportunity is for the Lakers coming out of that Eastern swing. Mike, when I looked at the schedule, that April led up to me, right? Because I see it unfolding, hopefully, in the exact way that you laid it out there, is that middle of March or so, right? Maybe a little bit after that, maybe the week of the 21st or 22nd, is hopefully when... AD is sort of cleared to get back on the court and start to play. Give him a little bit of time in order to ramp back up. And then hopefully he's finding an okay groove by that first part of April. And then boom, the Lakers are on the road and they go East, right? Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn, New York, Charlotte. I do agree that the transition from those four games initially, right? The the Clippers, Toronto, Heat, Brooklyn. <laughs> Every other day, those four teams, that's sort of a gauntlet for them. And if they can go over 500 in that stretch and then stay a night over in New York, basically, right? And then play the Knicks and then fly to Charlotte after that and then come home. That is the point where I'm looking at, okay, did they go in in those six games, right? Were they able to go four and two or five and one? Did they have a blowout win or two in that stretch? Because that's where I think they can sort of put their stamp on this season is in April. And, and I think for all of the sort of, Shortness that we've had about what this Lakers team can be. When I saw this schedule, I thought thought to myself, well, April's where they're going to show it to us. That's when they're going to tell us or not if we were right or if we should start to hedge our bets and waffle a little bit. There's also another option that we've seen from Lakers championship teams where the regular season doesn't end up really mattering much at all. And they turn it on in the playoffs and they did, they also play very well. Right. So, but that's the thing about when a, a season fails to meet expectations at the end of it, once that happens, you look back on it like, Oh, all of these signs were there. Right. And so that's why it's important to take an honest look. So if there's any stretch of the regular season in which I will, there's nothing that can happen that, unless there's an injury, right. That, that will make me a total non-believer, but that is the 
portion of the season that I will put the most amount of stock into. We are, even with this recent downstretch, we're 13 and three on the road. There was a time, uh, and I don't think we are anymore, but the best road record of all time, I think was 31 and seven. I don't know why, and it was a 76 game season in terms of winning percentage. And we were like on pace and we're almost halfway through the season right like at the now we got utah coming up shorthanded that's an unlikely one right we uh, i think we got the kings um you know hopefully we can get that game we got uh dennis coming back on on friday hopefully uh but like we're a really good road team man and if we're able to get out on the road and coalesce the way that we have throughout the season uh, that's going to be the portion of the season especially against those high level teams mike i have a question for you you've been running this show but now i'm going to pivot and put it on you for a second We haven't talked a lot about specific guys, you know, AD and the injury. To me, a lot of what the approach is going to be like in the second half of the season is really going to come down to LeBron. And I thought about this a lot when you were talking about the Wizards game, because when you talked about letting the foot off the gas, the Lakers as a team, that was mostly LeBron to me. And look, it's, to me, it's totally fair that he tries to pick and choose these moments where he decides this is a point where I can sort of try to coast a little bit. He is LeBron. The burden he carries is so big. And the Lakers as a team and as an organization are asking so much of him during this stretch that it's like he's got to figure it out. And he's going to do that on the fly. And sometimes he's going to guess right. And sometimes he's going to guess wrong. I thought the Wizards game was a game where he guessed wrong a little bit. He took a couple of shortcuts. It's a great way of putting it. He bombed a couple of threes when like, oh, the lead is eight. Let me shoot a three. And if I make this, it's 11 again. And I put them at bay. But they missed. And then the Wizards come down and they score. And now it's a six-point game. And then suddenly the 11-12 point game is now 6-5. Or now it's a one-possession game. And it's just like, oh, this isn't where I thought it was going to be. And there's a calculus involved with that. There's no player I trust more, Mike, in terms of making those decisions than LeBron. He's earned that over the years with all the finals trips and, and everything else. This is a different season, though, just in terms of the compressed nature of it. And how do you envision LeBron looking at a month like April? Because I think a lot of this is going to be based off of like him ramping up, right? It's like that's a big month for this team because that's the final six, seven weeks of the regular season. And that's normally go time for him. And this is a a great way to look at the later part of the schedule too, Darius, the way that you set that up, because Typically, when you get out of the all-star break, you're looking at 20 games, you know, or, or somewhere like it's it's not half and half in a typical season. And that's why the fact that the Lakers have already been this tired and of course, it goes back to last season and being in the finals. I'm they're going to hit another lull in the second half because yeah. it's not a second quarter, which it usually is. it's usually 75 percent ish of the season and then the 25 percent after the break. So. After the trip that we just mentioned, which, by the way, comes after that 11-game stretch in March, that the season would typically be over at that point. And guess what? After that, they have three, five, six, they have like 17 more games or something. Okay, I shouldn't throw out the wrong number. They have, this is going to be really fun. You guys can just listen while I count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Oh, I, got it. I guessed it right. Okay, 17. They have 17 games left. And out of that chunk, a bunch of them are back-to-backs. 
including three, I'm sorry, including four back-to-back sets in May. And LeBron is, of course, the first thought that we should have when thinking about this whole stretch of games. And what, after listening, and Pete, I, I know you did, after listening to LeBron really very kind of honorably defend player rest or lack thereof and just sort of, you know, make you swell with Kobe Mamba mentality pride the way that he talked about it. He's not looking for a free lunch. He doesn't want any handouts. He's uh, he's punching that clock. Um, Boylan was, was just like sitting at home on his recliner. He was doing push-ups. <laughs> no, he was doing push-ups to that. He, was, <laughs> he, he, he ran windprints after LeBron said that. Oh, bro. He, bro, he went, he went, he found a high school track and ran a couple 400s, maybe an 800. I don't know. This is a real deep cut, but anybody yeah, that used true. to run any kind of track or training for soccer like I did, the 400 and the 800 are the worst, man, because you have to sprint the whole thing. The mile, you can at least space out a little bit, but when you're doing those four, you guys ever run like a real 400 or 800? back in the day absolutely not bro um yeah that it's brutal it's if you want to have a good time you really got anyway you got to kick it into high gear so i just i just see boiling out there boiling out there with like a stopwatch all right um so back on track here thinking about how this is going to impact lebron he's sort of laid out the gauntlet in a sense that he's not about trying to you know take one of those games off in those back-to-back settings and so i i am but i here's where i've gotten myself pete and maybe you can help me feel um better about it i'm just like i trust you lebron okay got it you know we, you've earned if anybody's earned the benefit of the doubt on getting your somebody's body through a season great but like i look at the end of april i look at the when they get back from that seven game road trip it's boston at home utah at home utah at home again at dallas at dallas you know then a couple of uh, of sort of easier on paper games and then you get to the whole back-to-back fest in may and i just i just wonder how that's going to go for lebron I think we're going to have a ramp down at some point at the end of the season, right? Similar to just as LeBron likes to play every game, right? And and that's a matter of pride for him. That still hasn't meant that at the end of his regular seasons, right? There's a week or two where he won't play in the last few games or he'll sit a couple of them, right? There's just some sort of, and that's, that's your night where, you know, McKinney is starting and Jared Dudley's starting. It's those last few games um, as a team preps and gets ready for the real push in the playoffs. And I would suspect that at some point, some date, some point of the season, this is always relative to circumstance, of course, uh, but at some point they will do that. So when I look toward that May schedule and toward the end of it, I do think that that's somewhere where they can do that while using the March and April as kind of the ramp up to like, Hey, this is the team we need to get to because just as they need the rest, they also need to get to a certain caliber of team that they aren't playing well enough to, to be that good yet. Pete, the only question there is if, you know, I think that it's important, you know, again, LeBron wants to make the most of this season. And if he's in, of course he's going to be in as he's in the MVP race there, maybe in his mind playing, 70, maybe. maybe playing 72, you know, is the difference between him and some of these other guys. And, and I don't know, Darius, if that if that's something that he's thinking or not. Mike, maybe the number one seed matters. Maybe seeding matters. Maybe the bracket matters. Look, I know the Lakers are going to talk within the context of we don't care about our seed. We could be put us in the play in game. Right. And we feel confident, right? There's going to be plenty of that mentality and that player talk. And I love that, right? Confidence, confidence, confidence. The flip side is, though, Pete, 
to the scenario which you laid out is that I think there's a way to get to that point, and that's if everything else is sort of aligned in a way, right? So could they end up treating the last four or six games of the regular season or or a batch of those last 10 games sort of like the bubble games? Like, could mm-hmm. they? Sure, sure they could if their seating is locked in, if they have done all they can do within the context of the regular season, if they've reached a certain level of preparedness in their own mind, not necessarily what they're showing on the court, because clearly in the bubble, they didn't play well at all, but in their head, they knew that they were ready. They knew that they were ready. They were also getting a ton of practice time, a ton of time in the film room, right? They had all of these conditions set up for them to have a better understanding of where they were as a team. And so that's where I have more questions than answers at this point about what that part of the season is going to look like. I agree with you guys within the context of there could be like a second half of the season swoon. It it is just a lot of games, like Mike said, and teams are not used to playing that number of games in that amount of time period after the all-star break. The other side of this is though, guys, is that look, I said this in the post that I referred to earlier at my site that there's a certain amount of habit building that the Lakers have not established yet. Like LeBron sort of used Mm -hmm. the word habits as sort of a fallback word in a sort of standard answer that he would give in one of the postgame pressers the other day. Um, And he had said, you know, he was talking about we're continuing to work and if some of these shots weren't, I think he was talking about the shooting and he was saying that if, that if these shots weren't falling and it was because we weren't putting the work in, I could point to that. And then I would probably say something about how we need to do X better. Right. But he's like, look, I trust my guys. They're putting the work in and all we're trying to do is get better every day, reinforce our habits and go from there. But look, man, the last 15 games, 15 games, not four games, not since AD got hurt, right? Like the last 10 to 15 games, the habits of this team have not been strong, personally. I think their defensive intensity Mm -hmm. has fluctuated wildly. I think that their commitment to seeking out the right types of shots offensively has not been that great. And I think that they've won mostly on the merits of their talent, right? And they're that good that they can do that. So the second half of the season to me is also about establishing habits. And if you get to the last part of the schedule in May and there's all those back to backs and your habits aren't necessarily right, Mike, like Pete, both of you, how do you approach that last stretch? Do you trust muscle memory or do you just say, well, you know what, like we're going to ramp it back down and then we feel like we'll be ready. So there's something that's going to be a little bit natural in this, in that the first four games of May, really the first five are against teams that are definitely going to be in the playoff mix, right? So it's Toronto, it's Denver at home, it's the Clippers, it's Portland, and then it's Phoenix. Now, after that, there's basically a four game wind down, right? You have a back-to-back with the Knicks and the Rockets. Then you have the Pacers, 
um, and, you know, the Pelicans, who actually, you know, I, I'm not dismissing the Pelicans making a late run um, with the talent they have. Lots is playing better, blah, blah, blah. So that I think that that might be a nice little, little opportunity, Pete, for a flex at the beginning of May and then a bit of a ramp down in the final week to get ready for round one. And the last thing I wanted to say in terms of the seating is to me, it might not even be about matchups and home court. I mean, it just there's just a little bit of pride there in that, hey, we're we're not the four seed. OK, like that's what I would be like. I, I We're not the certainly not the five seed like we're you know the team i don't don't think that you're better than us and so even if they're below say the clippers by that point on that six game that that could be a potential like hold on uh, restoring order but you know pete as you mentioned the flip side earlier you also just may want to reserve that high energy high effort or i shouldn't say high but your your best game right for a team like that until you see them in the postseason so it could it could go a couple of different ways i just see it going more like they flex a little at the beginning of May, and then they have a quick ramp down, uh, get ready for round one. I certainly think that's possible. I also think that from a lot of the quotes from Vogel and LeBron in particular, I don't think the Lakers really worry about any other team in the league uh, in terms of just what they're focused on, nor should they be. And that's why that refrain of habits that Darius is talking about that LeBron emphasizes is exactly that because your habits are what you default to in those highest pressure moments in the playoffs. When you're tired, your habits will shine through. It will, if you don't have your rotations right and you're not, you know, on your bump rotation and two guys go to the wing and all of a sudden you've left, you've left the corner shooter, open and, av- and available, you know, that's something that you did because you were tired, you were under pressure, all that's going to show up. That was one part of the reason why last year, right, I was so confident going into the playoffs and as the playoffs progressed, like, yo, we got this. Like, I know they're going to they're gonna mess around and, and lose a game here and there because of a lack of focus, but they had done so much to develop their habits that they were so, and that was why in game six, that was just a, face melting defense right when they really had to lock in they felt some of that sense of urgency they were so good at all of what they did um that i think that that is more of the what i would like to see and that's more in that first part of the schedule and maybe it lasts all the way through that that could be a perfect amount of time right because too long and all of the progress that you could make in your habits in the first half can or in the first part of the second half can go away um but if we're going hard all the way up to that line i'm just worried about our legs that's the, the x factor in this whole thing mike is just legs and maintaining guys energy it's a different calculus than it is in any other season Darius, let me let me give you the last thought here uh, after I give you my last thought. If at some point, can we just get only Denzel or only Jack in a bubble courtside just to get some home mojo back? Uh, all I need is one like that's that's not we it's just the spark at Staples Center. Jared Dudley talked about it pregame the other day. He he said what I've been saying all year. He's like, look, man, we just it, it, it sucked like it's Staples Center this is where we come to be like entertained and wowed in the purple and gold and like the crazy 300 level fans. And then like this, so I, I'm like, can we, I just want Jack or Denzel in a literal bubble um, at some point later in the season. And, and that'll bring the home court back, get them vaccinated and get them in the room, man. Let's do it. Man, get me in there. I'll be shouting from wherever I'm sitting. Yeah. Making a fool out of myself. Yeah, let's get like, like 13 year old Pete up in the 300s. You're talking to him right now, man. You know what I'm this, talking basketball for a living, working for the Lakers. This is 
13-year-old Pete died and went to heaven at some can, point. There you go. Can I just say, and I'll close it with this in terms of the playoff stuff because I actually think that this is interesting. Last year, Vogel openly talked about sort of the disadvantage that he thought the Lakers were at with the fact that they were the number one seed and they had a play-in game for the eighth seed and that they had to do all this prep for a couple of different teams. It ended up being Portland. They probably had a feeling it was going to be Portland, and that was that. This season, that's going to be true for the top two seeds. And I'll be very interested to see how that impacts the planning of those teams that are in the top two seeds and whether or not the Lakers wouldn't mind being the three seed or hell, even the fourth seed and understanding that their bracket is set, right? They know that they've got the five seed, whoever that is. And then after that, they're going to have the winner. They're likely going to have the number one seed or the number two seed, right? And that will be that. I'm just saying when we talk about all the calculus of how the final weeks of the season could play out and what goes into the planning. Now, I say all that and then I think to myself, yeah, Braun and Vogel don't care about stuff like that. They're not the types to like position themselves as like a team for like a more favorable matchup. But I just think that that's a little variable to watch for at the end of the year when it comes to the top seeds in both conferences really but especially the west is so as much as you're right that my what clicked into my brain was it takes lebron about 45 seconds in the first quarter to figure out the other team for the rest of the matchup now they may lose game one like they did against portland or houston but like so you're not wrong but it just that is lebron is uniquely equipped right in vogel too and his coaching staff but that's mostly about just LeBron. Like, you know, he just figures it out. For sure. I, I do think, though, that the, the long break before the bubble, I wondered that a ton about Vogel was like him having all that time and him and the coaching staff, all that time to watch tape. That never happens. That's like kind of a coach's dream in some senses. You know, the team that you've got and then you got all this time to prepare. Right. Uh, with the team that you know that you have. And well, and he's going to get go. he's going to get those nine days, Pete, this year like during this all-star break, right? Like last year he coached that game and he had all those responsibilities Mm -hmm. of being at the game and all of the league functions and all of that. And by the way, we can't close the pod before we say, you know, shouts to LeBron, all-star starter, shouts to Anthony Davis was named as a reserve. Some of that prep, right? I think the team as a whole will use that as time to sort of unwind and get some much needed rest. But I do not put it past Vogel to have the same schedule that we're looking at pinned up on his damn whiteboard and thinking, how am I going to map this out? What am I watching? How are we getting this team ready to do what we need them to do in the second half of the season? That's right. It's time to get to work with the circumstances presented to us, then that time to regroup and then really hit it hard in the second half. Been looking forward to this all season is getting to this point. So um, got Utah coming up on Wednesday. We'll record again on Thursday night, likely and, uh, for a Friday show. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, that next to the winner, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, crack!
Okay. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.